This is Color Speak, unveiling truth for light. Hi, I'm your host, Janet Huxley, author J.M. Huxley. Welcome to this podcast to unveil truth and uplift you. Here you will find truth talk for relevance restoration, social influence, and dynamic purpose in all places and all seasons. Here we will unveil truth for color. Light is where you'll find truth, and truth is where you'll find color. Color is where you'll find God. Color is God. It's His love for you. Light is what makes color happen. You know that. Color is a product of light, and God is light, so color testifies to the everlasting goodness of a good God, one who wants to fill us with color. The Bible tells us not only did God use a rainbow to convey his love and promise to us, but that he is surrounded in a rainbow. Revelation 4.3 says, And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. That's wild, isn't it? Perhaps that's why, regardless of faith, the rainbow resonates so much with the human heart. When you think of the word color, what comes to mind? A rainbow? A painting? An ever-changing sky? Perhaps the word is allegorical to you because it represents so much more than the different hues our eyes take in. Maybe color for you is found in people, food, music, dancing, writing, you name it. Everything about life is color. I like to think of our stories as color. In fact, I view them as colorful confetti. When we toss ours up toward heaven for the benefit of those around us, they fall to earth in celebration of what our creator is doing here. The word stories is the word these days, because stories are a thing. We are realizing we all have them to share, and publicly... More and more humans are realizing they need not be published or on air to go official and public with stories that were once confined to small groups and intimate gatherings. My friends, stories are meant to go big, not home. And technology does foster this. Social media isn't always a bad thing. Well, our guest today is someone like you who has a story and it's full of miracles. I'm so excited to encourage you today with Teresa (laughs) Miller. She is a wife, the mother of four, and a homeschool parent. Woohoo! Weaving words together has been the expressive outlet she has enjoyed from a young age, bringing clarity to life's complexities. Teresa authored Heavenly Glimpses blog from 2009 to 2014, and that was where she captured glimpses of the extraordinary in the ordinary, everyday life of motherhood. I love that. That's what we are all about here. Her publishing credits include Encourage, Sally Clarkson's Mom Heart blog, and others. Mm -hmm. Teresa currently writes encouragement for women on social media, managing and writing a blog with three of her sisters at dandeliansisters.com. Welcome, Teresa. Thanks so much for getting up early to have coffee with me today. Oh, you are welcome. Thank you for having me, Janet. I am honored. I am honored to have you. And I'm excited to think about you in Wyoming. It's so beautiful and picturesque there and earlier there than it is here in Kansas City. So I imagine it's just an early, crisp, beautiful fall morning there. It is. I 
I think I was looking out the window and I thought maybe I woke up to some rain, but I was wrong. <laughs> We've had to, but we have had some rain lately. We've also had snow. So already October's interesting in Wyoming. We usually have all, all the seasons in October. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. a lot. Very early. Yes. Well, at least you have the beauty to offset the pain of it. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is a beautiful time of the year. I think fall is one of my favorite times just because of the color. It's even though it's we have less trees than back east where it's just like probably like, ah, you know, but uh, even just the, the bits of color that we have here is still just so amazing and beautiful. I love it. And even just everything like the meadows and the plains that lose their green and they're just brown but go on forever are, to me, still stunning. It's just gorgeous. Yes. And of course, mountains. We have the Bighorn Mountains, and that helps. Yeah. As well. We don't have that here. So Kansas City sounds very similar. We don't have all of the beautiful trees of the Northeast. We do have some, but they're they're scattered. So really, the colors that we see are across the plains as the grass turns golden and brown. And yeah. the colors are yellowed against a, a blue sky. And sort of this morning, there was a haze out. Really very lovely, but not as vibrant, I think, as some other places. But you and I talked mm-hmm. about that, how beauty is to be found in wide open spaces, too. Yeah. 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 Definitely love it. Well, I have a question for you. So tell me about Dandelion Sisters. (laughs) I was thinking I'm still seeing dandelions in my yard at this late stage. How did you come up with that title? We come up with dandelions. That's a great question. And we really just rolled with these ideas because we know that I have actually five sisters for three of those five are writing with me. So there's four of us. And we grew up, yes, running through fields of dandelions. That's kind of where our memories are growing up, just being outdoors all the time, using our imaginations and always having those dandelions just were always there, (laughs) particularly when our backyard wasn't mowed or something. There was, we had just a yard full of dandelions, but they were just everywhere. We also five or six sisters who had a lot of fun and imaginative play growing up, but we also are from a broken family and my parents divorced when I was 10 years old. And so over the course of our life, you know, we've been on this journey and truly we have, it's been a journey of healing and, and working through hardships and, and continue continually, um, just working um, on growth and all of that. But as we've come to this place today and in starting this blog about six months ago and preparing for it about a year before that and talking about this title, we thought, you know, the, the dandelion actually represents, it reminds us of our childhood, but it represents resilience. And we just, you know, we, thought of kind of the stages of the dandelion and how it's that yellow head at first, but then it turns to seed and then then you blow the seed and it causes more dandelions to grow. But we just saw that the full picture of from childhood all the way to the legacy that we are leaving. And it had so much significance to us that we just had to have that 
as part of our title. And then the potholes, again, everything is kind of brings us back to childhood, but riding bikes, playing cops, riding through potholes, just, but that also represents in our life, all the imperfections, all of the places that may feel a little bit scary or rough or that we have to overcome. And then the wrinkles, well, it's kind of like, well, yes, we can't avoid the wrinkles, but more than just how our appearance, the wrinkles really represent the wisdom that comes with time and with trusting in our case with just trusting God through so much and knowing that, recognizing that we're not going to be here forever. This is, this is temporary, but there's a lot of growth that we gain through this lifetime and wisdom. So that's kind of, I guess, in a nutshell, where those words dandelion, potholes, and wrinkles came from. And then our tagline is finding purpose in life's imperfections. And that just kind of sums it up in a nutshell. We really do believe that although life isn't perfect and we all experience brokenness and we all have wounds, that we all do have a purpose and that nothing is wasted. And so the hope that we have right now and and have always had a level of hope in our lives even through struggle and even through struggle that we may currently be going through or may at some point go through there's always that hope and we all want to offer that to someone else who may be in a a stuck place or experiencing something difficult or just needs to get to that next step it's it doesn't have to be anything more than just a baby step but you know, we want to be a voice of hope for that person. Mm, that's awesome. Well, hurt people help people. And just that's the way of it. And so we go through all of this junk in life. And it does alleviate some of the struggle, I think, or the burden of it when you know that you can offer help to another in her walk or his walk. And I love that you pointed out that there were potholes and wrinkles because I neglected to do that. So you have a Facebook page where you define yourself as writer of dandelion potholes and wrinkles. Mm -hmm. And then on the dandelion sisters website, that's what it's all about. The dandelion potholes and wrinkles, which is an interesting play on words. And I love the combination, the uniqueness in that. And the other thing that I heard you say, which was really cool, was just the awareness of nature around you. Because so many times I think we have this idea, like, for example, as soon as we mow the yard here and the lawn is looking really nice, right? Two days later, there are little yellow flowers all over it. And we won't do anything here on our farm in Kansas. We don't we're all organic, so we don't spray anything to combat that. So we just sort of roll our eyes and I think, okay, there's some beauty there, right? It may right. not look like the rest of the world defines beauty as far as a green lawn is concerned, but I don't miss those things. And here's why. I think I spent many years missing things. In other words, I was so wrapped up in my own, well, if I could say it, I really think shallowness for a while when I was younger that I didn't notice the world around me. I was too busy looking down or looking in. And right. this came to my attention just a year or two ago when I was back at my old high school in San Diego. And I'd taken my daughters there and we were sitting up on the hill and it's above the city. And from the parking lot, you could see the ocean. Hmm. And I said, you know, I, I never knew we could see the ocean from this parking lot. And my girl said, are you kidding me, mom? 
I said, I didn't. I mean, I was so engrossed in all of those things that happened, you know, the football games and my my football player boyfriend and all of it. You know, I, I just was so unaware that honestly, I couldn't describe to you what the buildings or homes looked like across the street because mm-hmm. that that wasn't my focus. And now just being on the farm, this is what God has taught me to pay attention to all of the little things like you've done, all of those beautiful little flowers. What an allegory that is, as they turn to dandelion puffs. And now when I go for walks on the property, I find beauty in the traditionally ugly. I really do. Because I'm not talking about the thorns, right? And some of that stuff. Yeah. But just the uniqueness of all of it, and the allegory, what it says symbolically, what God is conveying to us through all of creation. It's magnificent. Yes, I love it. Yeah. And the other thing I liked that you said was just the authenticity. You know, authenticity these days is so important in a world where I feel like everybody is trying to present that that perfect aesthetic, <laughs> especially on social media. And I love talking about wrinkles. That's a reality. And I want to say, right. listen, it's coming for all of us. It's here for me. <laughs> oh, so good. Like it, but- and appreciate the other aspects that go along with it. So, yeah. yes. Yes, yes. Well, you and I uh, talked a little bit earlier about miracles, and you know that that's my focus here. And I love the way you articulated that back to me when you said, yeah, I know your podcast is all about seeing supernatural and the natural and the way that God is working, essentially, to paraphrase. And you said, we could fill up the whole podcast with miracle stories. And I said, let's do it. So I think I'd like to just segue into that right now. So, Teresa, what do you want to share with our listening audience today? I know it's impossible to cover it all, but what are some of the highlights you feel in terms of the way that God has really shown up in your life? Yeah, that's such a great question. And it's so important for me to be able to voice that out loud once again, because what how God shows up in our life really perpetuates how he continues to show up in our life when we pay attention. And yes. I think one of the first ways God just, well, honestly, I'll just start at the beginning. The first way that I recall God just speaking to me in a pretty, that in a way that stuck with me until today. Like I, I remember distinctly, it was, like I mentioned, my parents did divorce, and and there was a point that I, as a child, right before it all kind of erupted, that I just, I knew that I had the, that faith like a child. I knew I believed in God. I knew God was real, but I was, I had this sense of, you know, I knew our family was deteriorating, and and I was, like, something in me was concerned about, what about when I become an adult, and I kind of, you know, not having any idea what that would be like or feel like, I questioned, would I, would I still believe in God? Would I, who would, what kind of person will I be? And, and I remember that being such a, like a deep introspective feeling, like it was very concerning to me. And I felt like the Lord just spoke, whispered these words in my head, just remember, God does not lie. And those were the words that, I mean, just, you know, you could have said, mm. just believe, or you could, you, you know, there could have been a lot of things, but for the, my 10 year old or nine year old mind, it was God does not lie. Just whoever you are when you're grown up, 
If you don't believe in God, just remember those words. God does not lie. The second thing, all around that time, it was the summer that I turned 10 years old. I was at a friend's house. We were going to go ride bikes. And it was a hot summer day, around 90 degrees. And for some reason, I went to her house fully clothed in pants and I think like a turtleneck. <laughs> Long <laughs> sleeves. And we wanted to go ride bikes, but we needed another bike for my for me because I didn't have a bike with me. And so they were gonna have me ride my friend's mother's hen speed. They call you know, remember? Yes. So anyway, so here we are. We're gonna go on this bike ride. Her mom says, Do you want to change into some different clothes first? And we're like we're like wanted just to go, no, I'll change when I get back. And her little brother was saying, but you got to be careful because if you, the brakes are on the handlebars and I've never ridden a bike like that. I think what he was trying to tell me is that if you pull, if you do one side and not the other, you could flip the bike. Right. But I didn't hear that. I just heard if you, (laughs) if you pull the brakes, you're going to flip the bike. So I'm like kind of going up that I can jump off the bike if I want to stop. And anyway, we she kind of lives in the country and we're on gravel roads and we turn a corner and she is way ahead of me because I'm making sure that I'm going to, you know, this is a bigger bicycle and the brakes don't apparently work. I don't know what exactly what I was thinking, but I hopped, we got to the top of this hill and I hopped off of it and she's already at the bottom. And she says, come on, come on. I hear her yelling, come on down, we'll trade at the bottom. Um, because we had agreed that that's what we would do. We would trade bikes. So so I put my bottom back on that seat and I let myself coast down that gravel hill. And all I remember is picking up more and more speed, my bottom coming off the seat and shaking and um, out, completely out of control. And that's the last thing I remember. So long story short with that, I was completely knocked unconscious, slid on the gravel, woke up, taken by ambulance, woke up in the hospital after it was already cleaned and all, and um, heard the story back and about what had happened and all that transpired and asked to see myself in the mirror and parents were hesitant at that time and said, are you sure? And I said, yes. And my, my, the right side of my face was completely skinned and three times its size and the white in my eye was completely red. And I did not recognize myself at all. And the other, my hand was the right, my right hand was bandaged. So it had been cleaned and bandaged. All of the clothes that I had worn saved the right side of my body from being skinned. I wow. tore up Wear out my clothes, but the only thing, the injury was my right hand and the right side of my face. And my jaw was knocked out of alignment and those sorts of things. But leaving the hospital the next day or the day after, I had heard from my parents that the doctor, doctors were concerned that I would definitely need plastic surgery. And I didn't really know what that was, so it wasn't all that concerning to me. But these friends where I was had been when we had this bicycle accident, at some point within the next, I think, probably couple of weeks, talked to my my mom and said, We you're not gonna believe this. We've been 
And these guys, they have been praying. My parents have been praying. People have been praying that that I would not need this plastic surgery, that I would be healed. And then, and they were watching the televised sort of um, evangel, you know, evangelist. I think it was could have been the 700 Club at the time, and um, where he would pray and prophesy at the end of every program. And they said, he described you exactly. He said a nine or 10 year old girl was in a bicycle accident and gave the specifics and said, friends and family are, and doctors are concerned that she's going to, that you're going to need plastic surgery, but God is saying that you are not going to need plastic surgery, that your skin is going to, your face is going to heal. And, um, Anyway, so the next time I went for my, when I went for my first visit back to the doctor to evaluate everything, my skin had started to heal so beautifully and rapidly that the doctor said, "No, you're not going to need plastic surgery." And so it was that was and, and sure enough, I did spend time in the orthodontist chair because of my job being knocked out of alignment and needing to fix some things there. I spent a lot of time that next year in the orthodontist chair, but my skin, my face completely healed. And the only thing I was left with was on my right hand, kind of close to the top of my hand, close to my wrist, was just two little scars on either side. And they were so little that you could hardly see them, but I always saw them as something to remind me of what God had done in my life. Yes. That's what I was thinking as you were saying that. Mm -hmm. So I always had that and, and they were so faint that even now as my, you know, many, many years later and my skin is tanned and a little, just a tad bit older than I was. (laughs) And, and I can hardly see those scars anymore. I'm like, no, I want, I want to see those scars. I want to be reminded. So when they moved from Pennsylvania to Wyoming, and that's where I grew up from about age 11 on, my life in Pennsylvania became that a distant memory. It was like that was then and this is our life now. And even that miracle was kind of left behind in a sense. And I never talked about it. I never really had, it just never did come up until probably within the last five years. I was traveling with a friend and her husband and, you know, we had five or six hours just to chit chat and talk and we were talking about miracles. And so I I shared that miracle with her and to voice it for the first time in probably 30 years was like, wow. And then we were on another mission trip of sorts, maybe a year after that. And with this same couple and the group we were with, she says, tell your miracle story. And so I said it, told it again for probably the second time in like 30 years. And and the way God was, I mean, just voicing it was, I think, very powerful. I think when we speak out our testimonies, there is a lot of power in that. And by the end, I was having some other physical pain. My lower back had some 
probably, I'm honestly, I think since having four babies and lifting and just at that time over the last probably six months, I couldn't even sneeze so much as, you know, without just wincing, it hurts so bad. I couldn't fully turn my body without it. It's just, oh, ow, I could not touch my fingers, you know, my um, tips of my fingers to the floor. I probably barely made it past my knees without excruciating pain. And so I was talking at a different point with one of the guys mission trip and she was, we're just, I think we're on a, a flight from one area to the next and just talking about just some of the things that she does to take care of herself. And I'm like, I need to take care of myself. I have, I just live with pain. Yeah. I, and so I said, you know what? When I get home from this trip, I'm going to go to the chiropractor. I've never been to a chiropractor, but she was talking about how she does go. And I said, well, then I, that's what I need to do because I need to take care of myself. And I don't need to live with this pain. We forget but, as moms. We really do. Right? All of our issues are secondary. I understand. Yeah. And so... As the story continues, God was really reminding me. I mean, this was this is a period um, maybe a few few years ago or so. God was reminding me by speaking out this miracle and reminding me of what He was capable of doing. Because uh, when my husband and I were flying home, there was a big snowstorm. You know, got a hotel at one of the airports where our flight was canceled and then the next morning and so that night it was it happened to be a weekend so I listened to a sermon you know a church service online because we weren't getting to church at all and and this was really kind of a thing I hadn't necessarily heard anybody prophesying to be perfectly honest since I was a kid and at the very end of the service it was there was some prophecy you should say I just was telling me that and he started calling out some some things you know some shoulder here and the last thing that he mentioned was um, that lower back and and I didn't think twice about it I kind of thought oh this is cool this is cool that he's you know this posture is prophesying this stuff that's that's awesome you know I'm, I was so detached from that even though it, I had experienced it I was so uh, a bit detached and so the next morning we're just my husband and I are just waiting for our baggage to come through the conveyor and it was t- it was taking a little while I'm just standing there we're just kind of silent and I hear in my just a little whisper touch your toes no <laughs> like a second what and I'm like oh, no 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 that wasn't even for me that was for the congregation. I was just listening in, <laughs> right? And it was like, touch your toes. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Kind of look at my husband. And then I reach all the way down to the floor without feeling any pain. So I stand back up and I'm like, okay. Then I do it again. <laughs> and there's no pain. And so I, so I tell myself, because I am, I know what God's capable of, but I'm just going to double check and make sure that this isn't just a coincidence. So I said, you know, I'm not even going to say anything until we'll see how, what, what I feel like in the morning. Right. So 
we get on our flight, we make it home. I wake us up the next morning and it's just me and God in the living room. And it's like, okay, try it again. So I'm testing this. I'm touching my toes. I'm twisting, looking the other direction. And there's nothing. There's, I mean, there's no pain. There's nothing there that I had been experiencing for the last six months. And it was like God said very, very clearly to me, now receive it. And so many of these little things throughout my life where God has just whispered something and said, I need you to to listen here and do this. This is who I am. This is how I show up. I need you to trust me, to be obedient, to do the next step. And so, yeah. And then I shared that with my husband. I said, okay, honey, this sounds really weird. (laughs) Oh, it doesn't sound weird to me at all. It doesn't. And you know what my husband's reaction was? He's like, why do you doubt? Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. Thank you for that. Thank you. Because, you know, like I said, in all of my adult life, I don't think I had an encounter like I did when I was a child until that moment. Well, see, and I love what you've done here, because that gives so much encouragement to those who are listening in that haven't had those incredible moments like was shared last week by Barb Trost on this podcast, where she had that immediate healing. She went to a congregation, the pastor on stage, healer, singled her out, walked down, placed his hand on her shoulder, and she was healed and she felt it immediately. And I think for those of us who are waiting for healing, sometimes we can get bogged down in those details and think, well, why do I have to wait? It must not be possible for me. But what you've explained is that the Lord chooses how he operates and he does things differently with each of us. And for me, I've never had those healing moments like Barb had either. I think mine are closer to yours where I'm aware, but I'm still waiting. (laughs) But then I go home and I say, well, okay, so what what gives, right? And I want something like Barb has. And I hear him say, but I always heal you, right? And I'll say, well, I guess you do. And I just, even as you're speaking, I'm thinking of those various ways, so many, I can't even count them all that he has healed me or saved me. Like when I go back to my childhood, one of the things that I was thinking of that the Lord brought to mind when you were speaking was when I was young, my brother, who's three years younger than me, played soccer a lot. My parents coached and we would go to the soccer fields a lot in San Diego. And my mom always said she was really the mother bear who kept everyone very close. And yet she was preoccupied and I had wandered off from our picnic area and was down at the adjacent restrooms. And I'm by myself and I'm playing on the equipment or whatever. And these teenage boys came over and surrounded me. And one of them had me up against a wall with his hands on either side of me. And then he said, do you want me to show you something? And he asked me about something I did not want to see. And I don't know, just something came over me in that moment. I was able to duck under his arms and race across the grass and over to the fields next door, thinking the whole time he's behind me, but Mm -hmm. feeling lightning fast. And I feel like that was a moment where the Lord protected me. And I had no idea for so many years. But all of the healings, I think... Wow. I mean, the one that comes, well, there's so many, and I think I've shared some, but there are some that I haven't shared here. And one of them was, 
I developed plantar fasciitis. So I was I was at the track a lot and I started running and I did not have proper footwear. And I think for years I would cook barefoot for my kids, for my family. And I didn't really think about standing on hardwood floors without shoes on. And before I knew it, my my feet were shot. <laughs> they all of a sudden were hurting a lot and I didn't know what to do about it. My husband and I were down in Mexico and we were walking the beach and he said something that blew my mind. He said, I hope you don't have to have a wheelchair someday because my feet were really hurting. And I thought, okay, this is a problem. So I ended up going to a podiatrist who put me through all sorts of expense, you know, like thousands of dollars we spent on custom orthotics and injections and all of that. And nothing was working and got proper footwear, Mm -hmm. all of that. And finally he says, well, I guess the last the last straw here is surgery. And I remember hearing this voice. Uh, no, <laughs> you don't need surgery. You need to trust me. Mm-hmm. And I went out and bought proper footwear. Mm-hmm. And I've never had an issue since. And I had similar situation with my knees. I'm a figure skater. I used to compete and friends. They've all mm-hmm. had issues and knee replacements and what have you. We're in our 50s for crying out loud. Well, there it is, the same thing. Like, I just had to really step out in faith and believe he would heal me. And he did. Mm-hmm. And now I go hiking and, you know, bicycling and walking. I mean, it's just so cool what the Lord has done. But my point is, there were moments where I was tempted to wallow in despair and to sort of lament the ways or to challenge even the ways that he chose to heal me. Like, why is it this happening? Why does it happen? Why is it overnight? I believe, I believe, I believe, Lord, I believe I can, I can be healed now. But that wasn't his Mm -hmm. choice. His choice was, okay, I had some lifestyle changes, including making sure that I always have the correct footwear for a while, making sure that I never was barefoot. Now, it's been a few years, so I can stand barefoot and cook now, and it's fine, but I just don't overdo it. So my point is, I really love those miracle stories. It, they are miracle stories, for sure, on a different sort of right. timeline. Right. Yeah, right. Well, when you mentioned, you know, how you had to, you could stand barefoot, but you still had to, you know, consider how much time and the, things like that. The other thing that came after, you know, maybe within the days after God saying, now receive this, he was then showing me that now I need you to steward this miracle. I need you to remember like how this occurred in the first place and how are you going to take care of yourself oh, going forward? Good message. And that was, that was a huge, yeah, just a huge lesson for me as well. Just very profound. Like I, I'm not just going to be healed and then just go do the same things again and that would injure my body. But I have a responsibility to steward that. And so. As women, we are so tempted to have the cutest footwear. (laughs) And so that was the stewarding for me because for a while I had to go to sort of clunky shoes with the proper support, even though my own six daughters, I have six daughters too. I love that you have five sisters. Even though my own kids yeah. might look at me and go, uh, mom, what are you wearing? Well, I'm wearing what I need to. So shh. 
And so that meant I wasn't always looking at those cute little numbers with the high heels, right? <laughs> or the wedges or whatever. Yes. I mean, I can wear yeah. cute shoes occasionally, but I'm not out in them like maybe others are because yeah. I have to be careful of my feet. <laughs> we all do. Mm-hmm. It catches up with us. Yeah. So girls... Take care of your feet. Because, you know, if you take care of your feet, you take care of your back. You take care of your alignment. All of it. Yeah. Okay. I'll get off my soapbox. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it's so important. It it truly is. And I guess what I was thinking is that I I just love the miracles that where the Lord has just shown me that here's, here are ways that I'm real. Here are ways that I, this is what I am capable of doing in your life. You believe too little, but I also love the ways that I've looked over the course of my life. And he didn't just deliver me or rescue me from something that was very difficult that I actually needed to walk through because I had to grow through the experience. So there were times in my life where I cried out, God, God, get me, you know, heal me of this, please. I look back and I see how he was just constantly present in taking my hand and walking me through a difficult time. And I think that's really important to recognize too, that like you said, God, he does things his way on his terms. He knows what is best. So there are times when we can trust him for an immediate miracle, but there are times that we're going to have to trust him when he does not do what we ask right away because he knows what he's doing. And so there's been a lot of times in my life where he has walked me through something very difficult that I was not intended just to be healed of immediately because I needed the lessons that he was teaching me through it. And, you know, I mean, just we sometimes on a emotional level, we have to work through the difficult things and know that he is there with us every step of the way. And it's the only way we come out on the other side. And that's an important lesson as well that I've learned and have learned to appreciate that it's not always going to be immediate and that's okay, that we have to trust him anyway. Yes. Well, and I think of his promises that he's made and they're just outrageous. And Mm -hmm. as you were talking, there was, I looked up the one I was thinking, oh man, I just read that in Exodus the other day. It's Exodus 23 and it says, it's Exodus 23 verse 25. It says, worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan okay, there's so much to unpack there. And I'm not suggesting that that Christians are free of any of the trauma associated with barrenness or miscarriage or sickness or whatever. But -hmm. what I am saying is he is very clear about his desire to heal. And then in the New Testament, that's all about Jesus. I mean, Jesus was all about healing. That was his ministry. And so Mm -hmm. I think regardless of the timeline, like, like we've just said, we can be assured that our God wants healing for us. And he assures us the closer that we stay to him and the more obediently we walk and the more we endeavor to adhere to righteousness, even in our frail humanity, 
we can be assured that our God is going to be responsive to our needs Mm -hmm. and to heal us. And I think that's just so exciting. Yes. I I read that again. I had read that verse before in Exodus, but I I was on it again the other day. And again, I marveled at the beauty of that. Now, we know that the Israelites didn't adhere to his right. instructions. And certainly that was a tall order, which we know Jesus came to illustrate, but the impossibility that is, and the need for a savior and all of it. Mm-hmm. But healing is is something he wants for us. It, yes. And I agree absolutely with you when you say, you know, the closer that we just allow God to be in close, you know, the more we cling to him and, and seek him and obey him that we are closer to his promises and his miracles to receiving them. And I I do think that that is very important. And sometimes there's a process that we have to go through to be able to get to that point of trust and, and sometimes maybe that's what is extending the, the results that, that maybe God has for us because we have to get to that point of receiving him and, and, and not just turning away. I definitely had a point in my life just after high school where, you know, I just put God on the back burner and it didn't change what I believed, but I kind of had the the mentality that I was going to figure things out on my own and that I knew what I wanted. You know, you have that young mentality, right? (laughs) I did it. You're going to go out and you're going to conquer the world. And, um, you know, I was taken completely by surprise by an eating disorder, bulimia nervosa took hold of my life and I did not expect it. And that is what I begged God to you know, heal me of, and it was partly, it was me continuing to walk in my own ways as I battled this, even crying out to God and, and partly the, the journey that I needed to go on with, with God, he was always there with me, but there was a level of healing that had to take place in my life and that um, it was that disease in my life at that time that was actually the red flag that said, oh, there's something that needs to be dealt with there. There's something that's coming up and, and I was wanting to push it back down, but it became the red flag that was kind of the gift that said, no, let's 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 walk through this. And it was like Jesus was always there walking through that. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that that was just a symptom of a greater issue that you needed healing first in your spiritual uh, relationship with the Lord first before any of the other healing could happen regarding the belief. In the end, I think that's what it boiled down to. It was seriously, this was um, it. It was a long seven year battle. I mean, I would say that there was a peak point and maybe on either end of that, it was not as, you know, intense or whatever, but I was not fully healed of that until I came to a point in my life where I said, God, my way isn't working. And this isn't all aspects of my life. You know, this isn't just trying Mm -hmm. to get over this, um, 
whatever this was that had control of my life, but it was like my choice of friends, my choice of um, good uh, boyfriends that I thought were good people, you know, but didn't share a belief that I had deeply mm-hmm. within deeply within my soul and in heart. And it was just how I was choosing to live my life. And I said, God, this isn't working anymore. It's just not working. And I kind of got to that <laughs> rock bottom place. I'm like, I've tried right. this and I've tried that and it's not working. And I finally said, I, I surrender. I, I, I'm going to do things your way. And that is mm-hmm. literally what he put on my heart. He said, you got to start doing things my way. Like he was with me through every step of those seven years. And he even prompted me in ways where just out of the blue, I'd be kind of walking to the bus stop to go to work when I was living in New Jersey at one point in my twenties. And he, he took, he took the, from my childhood, the God does not lie. And he whispered in my ear he said believe believe me and there was something specific that he was talking about that I was like oh no that's silly no and then it was like three times believe and so I said okay I'm gonna believe for this well I love what you said earlier do you believe too little yeah I love that I wrote that down here yeah Yeah, I mean I just that is so true and Oh, my gosh. Well, Teresa, I want to tell you the earlier story you had really hit home for me, too, because I had a similar situation when I was very young. My mom sent me to a private Christian school, though we didn't have faith in our home, but she wanted that for me academically. And I was four years old when she put me in kindergarten because I had three younger siblings by then. She had a lot of kids Mm -hmm. in a very short period of time. And I was sitting there one day and I was told or instructed rather in chapel to accept Jesus Christ. Christ is my savior. And I remember saying, because I was prompted by the voice, okay, I'll accept you as savior now. But if I ever walk away from you, Jesus, Mm -hmm. please bring me back. Don't let me do it. Don't let me do it. Well, of course, like you, I hit my 20s, hit the skids, wanted to do it my way, felt I could customize my approach to faith and religion and all of Mm -hmm. that. And it was all going to suit my needs. And I was, you know, we were raised in that, I think there were a couple of generations where where we were raised to think, well, the sky's the limit, just do it, you can be anything you want to be. It's all within you. Mm-hmm. And I bought the lie. Yeah. And like you, I ran amok, let me tell you, until the Lord had his way with me. And my story did not involve a physical situation, but it was really a mess. I went through a divorce, had a restraining order, the whole nine yards, really suffered, had a lot of loss, even death in my life. And that's when I finally went to the Lord and said, okay, I give. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Like, who are you? Who are you? Show me who you right. are. And then I realized, oh. <gasps> You're that Jesus mm-hmm. that I begged not to leave me when I was yeah. a little tiny kid. Yeah. See how he comes this through. This is wild. Yeah, so yes, funny. wild. Yes. Yeah. And there's yeah. the gentle pursuits all along the way until you come to the point of okay, mm. I give, I give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that at that point for me, when I did that, I did have to make some changes in my life. I did have to let go of some relationships. I did have to make different choices. But yeah, me too. But do you know that I did not experience even the threat, haven't experienced even 
the the threat of a relapse since that point to that's awesome. Um, Praise God. I mean, completely, one hundred percent. I had to come to that place, and then it was it was done. Like I had dealt with the root of what was happening, and so but it was definitely the the place I needed to come in my spiritual life to just surrender to God. But I also was able to deal with the root of why it was happening in the first place. And there's a lot of healing that took place in that. But it really, in the end, was my surrender to God. And mm. then it was done. It was done. Like, it, there's nothing. There's not even, like, a hint of a, oh, I'm thinking this, but I'm I'm not choosing it. It's just, it's done. It's over. Well, you modified everything around you as well. Yeah. In other words, you chose to give up certain friendships that you recognized as detrimental. Sure. And, and I'm sure there were other aspects of your environment that needed to change as well. And I hear that. I mean, you know, when I became a believer again, I lost friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the saddest thing. And I know that what they think of me now, especially my liberal friends in the media in California, mm-hmm. they must think I've just fallen off of the crazy wagon, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> but, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. Because as you pointed out so beautifully, there is fruit in that. That's yeah. what I would ask those who are listening. What are those things in your life that aren't producing fruit? Right. And how can you prune yeah. those dead branches so that you do find yourself in bloom again? Mm-hmm. Really? It's remarkable when you allow God to do that and to help you along that path. And it's not necessarily pleasant, but oh, the loveliness you'll find beyond that. It's so true. There was, it was definitely difficult there. there, It required a lot of humility and letting some things go where maybe people, I imagine were saying, what is going on? What's what's up with her? You know, kind of thing. And I just had to let that be. But it um, it was a month after that that I actually met my husband. We married three Aww. years later, but I met him a month after all of that. And I just, I mean, that is fruit. fruit. That is fruit. Yeah, that's fruit. That is such <laughs> great fruit. Yes. So um, I have definitely seen God's faithfulness in my surrender. And I constantly remind myself of that because it's not always easy to trust and step out and obey, but always reap the rewards in doing so. And, and we always will. That's so cool. Well, I have had such a good time talking with you today. And I know that we're nearing that time we just need to wrap up. And I want to ask you in asking for your final thoughts, what message you want to leave our listeners with. And you've already had so many. And again, I've, like I said, I've jotted down, do you believe too little, which is just so good. I want to, before I go there, I just want to I want to read a verse. So I do try to, every episode, ask the Lord for a verse for the episode. And I don't always articulate it. Sometimes I write it down. Sometimes we don't get as far as talking about it. But I really want to share this one today, because this is the one he gave me immediately, just before preparing to talk with you this morning, Teresa. It is Second Chronicles 15.9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. And 
that is just perfect for today. Yeah. What a reminder. What a reminder. It's about our heart posture, my friends. When we are fully committed to him, Mm -hmm. oh, he is there to strengthen us. And what a great promise that is. Yeah. I couldn't do it without him. I'm just Mm -hmm. a weak, pitiful mess. (laughs) I need him. I'll admit it for all of my, you know, friends that that think I'm crazy and I'm I'm full crazy now. I I really have to say, give it a shot. Yeah. You know, I hear those, well, you know, those Christians, they really need a crutch. <laughs> no, that's not true. I thought I was pretty self-sufficient, mm-hmm. to be honest, mm-hmm. until I realized that I wasn't yeah. and none of us are. So, yeah. Yeah. What what would you like to say today in closing, Teresa? We never even got to, by the way, your writing, which I'm really excited about. You may be writing a book at some point, which I highly encourage. Thank you. You have a great story. Thank you. What else? You know, we're just all on this journey, but when our hearts are open to Christ, when we turn toward Him as opposed to away, we will recognize how He works in our lives and through our lives mightily. I mean, the way that God has just gently pursued me over the years is mind boggling to me. Anyone who would believe that God is just a, you know, a rule driver and a distant God just doesn't understand who he really is because he is such a personal, gentle God. Yes, he is to be feared and revered, but we know that because of Jesus, we can go boldly to him and that we have nothing to fear in that, that he loves us and wants relationship with each one of us. So I would just encourage anyone who is like on the fence in any way, like go all in, just go all in. You can trust that God has your best at heart and his plans and purposes are far beyond our imaginations and the resources he has for us, we can never conjure up on our own. So just trusting him that when we walk in our calling, we are living our purpose. And when we are facing Christ as opposed to the the world and our issues and our problems, and we will always know the way we will always know the next step to just freedom really. And life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, my sweet sister in Christ, it's been a pleasure to have you here. And I so appreciate your time today up before the kids (laughs) (laughs) to sneak away and talk with me before getting school started. I remember those days well, and it was hard to sneak anything else in. And I remember my husband just at dinner time saying, can't you wrap up before now? (laughs) Why does this keep going on? It seems like time just really gets away from us when we're homeschooling. So I do understand Mm -hmm. that. And I, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your wonderful stories and encouraging others to Christ here and encouraging others, I think, to share their own stories as well and to take advantage of, of a God who's always available and always communicating. He doesn't ask us to believe him blindly by any Mm -hmm. means. He's the only one that will do that. He's the real God. And 
I love that you're noticing that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will encourage people listening today to take notice of the myriad ways he operates in their own lives every day, mm-hmm. intricately. Yes. So, well, thank you. Thank you so yes, much. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I do hope that it just inspires others to think about the ways that God has shown up in their life. Sometimes we know in our minds, like it's a distant memory or whatever, but just start connecting the dots because you'll see them powerfully when you do. Yes. (laughs) Amen to that. Mm -hmm. That's great. All right. Well, you can find Teresa M. Miller, writer of Dandelion Potholes and Wrinkles, on Instagram at Heavenly Glimpses. How much do I love that? (laughs) Heavenly Glimpses and Dandelion Sisters for the number four. And I'll have that information for you in our show notes. And the rest of you, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you'll continue to join us on Color Speak, wherever you find your podcasts, and on Grace and Truth Radio World. This is J.M. Huxley for Truth Talk on Color Speak, celebrating relevance, restoration, social influence, and dynamic purpose in all places and all seasons.